Bluenile.com slash yield. Huh. I guess less talking means more time for music. Classic rock, anyone? That's channel.com slash yield for local harvest results. Always read follow green marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. With an unequaled client experience focusing on communication and attention to detail, let the team at Fox Home Innovations work with you to create a new space that you will love for years to come. A proud K-State home team sponsor, Fox Home Innovations is a design remodel build firm that has served Manhattan and the surrounding areas for 10 years. From site visit to project completion, Fox Home Innovations will develop a plan that fits your budgets, wants, and needs. To turn your dreams into reality, like Fox Home Innovations on Facebook or visit foxhomeinnovations.com. K-State fans, Stan Weber here. Let me tell you about my friends at Buck Roofing. They specialize in residential and commercial roofing. With offices in both Kansas City and Manhattan, they can come out and give you a free estimate on your house or building. I have used them at my house, and they always do a great job at a great price. They are owned by a K-State grad and a Herd and Fund supporter, Ron Buck, and are a member of the K-State Home Team Program. Call Ron Buck at Buck Roofing at 913-384-2680 or go to rbuckroofing.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Well, you hear that music, and it's time for the all-college football show, Rush the Field. I'm Jay Binkley, producing, as always, Julio Sanchez. Big news in the college football world. The biggest news, Trevor Lawrence tested positive for COVID-19. That's the star quarterback at Clemson, won a national title two years ago, lost the national title game against LSU this past year, and, well, he was probably going to win the Heisman Trophy, still could, and not only that, he was going to be the next New York Jet. Presumably, he's getting the question. Jet's getting the question. But we'll have to see because they, they follow these up with other tests. And, you, you, feel, you know, do you po- evidently it's mild symptoms, according to Debo Sweeney, his head coach. So he'll get tested again. Now the thing is with the ACC, the protocol is 10 days. Well, they play Boston College this weekend. Decent team. They're 4-2. But the next weekend's huge showdown. It's Notre Dame, who's in the ACC just this year. And hopefully they'll join it for good, but they're in the ACC this year. That's next weekend, but that's nine days away. So it is interesting, and it's a 10-day protocol. And again, number four Notre Dame in Clemson next weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how this thing unfolds. Much different than the Big Ten that has 21 days that you have to be out in quarantine. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's start with what we normally start with as we uh, go Kansas State, Missouri, and Kansas. John Kurtz joins us from K-Man in Manhattan to talk all things Kansas State at 815, 830. It's the legendary Gary Pinkle who joins us each and every week to talk about Missouri and their back-to-back SEC wins. And then, of course, Alex Gold, he of Waving the Wheat podcast and Cody and Gold 10-2 daily on 610 Sports Radio to talk Hawk with us. Let's start off which was the Sunflower Showdown. Now, they say these games, you throw the record book out the window. Kansas, a clear advantage in the head-to-head series against Kansas State, but Kansas State had won 11 in a row. 
make it 12 in a row. They pounded Kansas 55-14 to this week at West Virginia, 11 o'clock right here, 610 Sports Radio. West Virginia 3-2, and 2-2 two, two and two in the conference. And Kansas State, ever since that Arkansas State game, they've been rattling off wins. How about at Oklahoma? Then they beat Texas Tech at home. Then they won in Fort Worth at TCU. Then they beat KU. So they're rattling off these Big 12 wins. And by the way, K-State has got themselves at number 16 in the country. Impressive football, but no more impressive than Phillip Brooks was. Returning kicks. Byron Pringle, the chief, who had a 102-yard return, said that Phillip Brooks inspired him. Byron Pringle doesn't need inspiration. He's getting his chance to shine with the Chiefs. But he once had two kickoff returns at Kansas State in his college career. But Phillip Brooks, the Lee Summit West player right here in Kansas City, was named Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Week. Kansas State keeps racking these awards up from the Big 12. Check this out. Four punts for 189 yards returning. That is a game changer. He had two touchdowns in that game on punt returns. Unbelievable game for Phillip Brooks. And I'll say this about Kansas State. This is a team that you don't close your eyes on. This is a team that's right in the middle of things in the Big 12. Matter of fact, it's the only Big 12 team that's in that's 4-0 at this point because they didn't have the bye week and other teams have had games canceled. So you got Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and then Oklahoma, the top four teams in the Big 12. Now, Kansas State at West Virginia, Kind of a tough place to play whenever you go to Morgantown. But then the following week is Oklahoma State. You can't let West Virginia become that distraction for you before you have the showdown in Manhattan against Oklahoma State. The best game in the Big 12 so far this season. But I'll say this much about Kansas State. They took care of business. Les Miles talked some trash a year ago, which some people defend that, saying, well, you have to do that in-state. You want the in-state recruits, because trust me, these in-state recruits are ending up any place other than Kansas State, Kansas, and Missouri. You might have seen Graham Mertz for Wisconsin. We'll get to more on him in just a minute. But he was 20 of 21 and five touchdowns, the Blue Valley North grad, last week for Wisconsin. But for Kansas State, that young talent I'm talking about, the true freshman, Will Howard, the quarterback, true freshman, Deuce Vaughn, the running back, Kansas State is right there in the middle of things. If you don't think Kansas State can win the Big 12, ask Oklahoma. Ask them. Texas, not a worry at this point. Iowa State remains the team to beat. Then they play Iowa State. They've been taking care of Iowa State. Then they have Baylor and Texas. But the marquee game in two weeks against Oklahoma State, they need to get through West Virginia first. But don't think Kansas State can't win a Big 12 title because they can and um, you can hear all their games right here on 610 Sports Radio. As far as Missouri, this team just continues to impress with Eli Drinkwitz. And they're winning in different ways. They've won two straight. They beat the national champions, LSU. And I get it, LSU a much different team. That game was supposed to be in Baton Rouge. One of the many hurricanes they've had down there moved it to Columbia. But Missouri won the, <laughs> won the game with the goal line stand. This week was Kentucky. Now, you might say, well... It was Kentucky. But I'll tell you this much about Kentucky. They're improving. Each year, they're getting better and better. They had beaten Missouri five straight times. You have to go back to 2014 when Gary Pinkle last beat Kentucky. Now, Kentucky was coming off a huge win against Tennessee that was ranked 18th in the country, 34-7. The previous week, they'd given up two points to Mike Leach's air raid offense in Mississippi State. Kentucky came into that game allowing only nine points. 
in the score-heavy SEC this year until Missouri completely shut them down. So much so that Nick Bolton, the outstanding linebacker, and teams are going to be lucky to have him in the NFL, was the SEC Defensive Player of the Week for the second time in his career. And uh, Case Cook, the offensive lineman, was the SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week for the first time in his career. This game was prototypical for Missouri. They did not play like they did the last week. Things change. You have to find a way to win, just like the Chiefs and Broncos. It wasn't necessarily the offense going out and blowing things up. It was getting a kick return. It was Dirty Dan on a 50-yard interception. Listen to these numbers from Missouri against Kentucky. Missouri, 26 first downs, Kentucky, 8. Total yards, Kentucky, 145. Missouri, 421. Missouri did it with their defense. And now that time of possession... Time of possession in this game, and you will rarely see a game this lopsided with time of possession. Missouri, 43 minutes, 10 seconds. Kentucky, only 16 minutes, 50 seconds. Don't blink on it because you didn't see the Kentucky offense in this game. But it was a 10-point win for Missouri, but much more dominant than that. But the bottom line is back-to-back wins. Now they play Florida this Halloween. 6.30, you can hear the game over on our sister station, 98.1. Not only that. SEC alternate network for this. It's one of the best games Saturday night, to be quite honest with you. But Florida's had back-to-back games canceled. They haven't played since October 10th against Texas A&M, where they barely lost. But this will be a good showcase game for Missouri. It'll be interesting with Florida having two weeks off where they haven't played. See what they can do against uh, the Florida Gators. If they can win that game on the road against the ranked Gators, and you put together LSU-Kentucky wins, look out for Missouri. Hats off to Eli Drinkwitz. We'll talk more about this that game with uh, Gary Pinkle coming up at 8.30. Kansas, as I mentioned, they lost to Kansas State 55-14. to This week they played number 23, Iowa State. And you can watch that game 11 a.m. on Fox Sports 1. Here's the deal. Kansas is borderline pathetic at this point. It really is. I can't think of another word to describe it. We need to see some progress if you're a Kansas fan for this program. You want to see them take the next steps to the next level. Now, Puka Williams already opted out the best player in that program the week before, but they're not showing any progress. They'll get these early leads and then just get hammered. I get it. Kansas State's a better football program, but you got to put up more on a fight than 55-14. to For Kansas fans, they desperately need to start seeing some progress with that program. All right, back to the main story, which is Trevor Lawrence testing positive for COVID-19. This is, uh, this is broken by Mike Garofolo and Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. Again, they play Boston College this weekend, 4-2. and two. And for Clemson, they should be able to take care of business there. But then it's Notre Dame, the fourth-ranked team in the country the following week. Again, 10 days for isolation. That game versus Notre Dame is nine days. Everybody keeps talking about this game against Boston College. I'm just looking ahead and say, wait a minute, the Notre Dame game is in nine days. What are they going to do? I guarantee they'll test him and retest him again. But I'll say this, too. The Big Ten returned last week, and we got to see uh, former Blue Valley North quarterback Graham Mertz, who was spectacular in that game. 20 of 21, 248 yards, and five touchdowns. However, he tested for COVID and has COVID-19. And so does backup Chase Wolf. Jack Cohn, who was the starter for the previous 18 games, had a foot injury and had surgery on October 6th. They're down to their fourth quarterback, but it doesn't matter because they they didn't just postpone the Nebraska game. They canceled it. 
And I always said, this is why the SEC and the Big 12 are so smart having these bye weeks built in. Because what's going to happen to the Big 10? There's no, there's no wiggle room. They have to play or cancel the game. The Pac-12 is about to find that out, too. There's no wiggle room. They've got to play to finish the season. Again, having four teams in the college football playoffs is ludicrous in 2020. They should have expanded it. Because we got these games just canceled left and right. And Nebraska goes out. They tried to schedule a non-conference game because that's who was supposed to play Wisconsin this weekend. But the Big Ten said no. Get this, Julio. Paul Chris, the head coach, has it too now. And again, the Big Ten rules say 21 days. We talk about 10 days of Trevor Lawrence. Big Ten says 21 days. That's three weeks out of action. Interesting. So 21 players now. It's unbelievable what's going on at Wisconsin. Here's the current update. Currently 16 active players for Wisconsin and six coaches. Also, we have the cancellation of Marshall at Florida International and North Texas at Texas El Paso. Now, again, this is a slate this weekend. This was difficult to come up with the top five games to watch. Number five, Memphis at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's undefeated. Memphis outside the top 25, barely looking in. Missouri at number 10, Florida. I think this is a game to put on your schedule. Number three, Arkansas. How about those Hogs? At number eight, Texas A&M. Last two weeks, the Hogs beat Old Miss and nearly lost 30-28 to Auburn. But they have two SEC wins. Why is that important? Because their head coach, Sam Pittman, former Pitt State Gorilla player, Pitt State alum, they had lost 20 straight SEC games. They had won an SEC game in three years, but already two this year. And then number two, Texas at Oklahoma State. This is Texas's last hope. Oklahoma State is 4-0 for the first time since 2015. And number one game, Ohio State and Justin Fields going against... Penn State, number 18, Penn State. Penn State lost a heartbreaker to Indiana. It was very similar to the Falcons game where a player didn't get down and he scored the touchdown anyway. Same thing. Matt Patricia, the Lions, saw that play, and Todd Gurley accidentally went in the end zone for the Falcons. He got the inspiration for watching Penn State and Indiana. Coming up next, we'll talk to John Kurtz from K-Man in Manhattan, also host of Faithful Tour Colors podcast, on the 435 Podcast Network about all things Kansas State. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. Being for life for free, you never pay for any service. Anything you ever need done, we take care of free for life. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Breaking news on 610 Sports Radio is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Learn more at Indeed.com forward slash credit. Walgreens makes Medicare easier by saving you money and peace of mind with co-pays as low as $0. Visit Walgreens.com slash Medicare today to see how. Walgreens, we make Medicare easy. $0 copay on Tier 1 generic drugs when enrolled in a plan with Walgreens as a preferred pharmacy. The only place in Kansas City to hear the voice of Chiefs Kingdom is 610 Sports Radio. Pass intercepted, a pick six, Dirty Dan Sorensen. It's a flea flicker, and it goes over the head of Locke. It's picked up by Frank Clark, and the Shark gets a free fish. Touchdown, Kansas City, Byron Pringle. Mitch Holtis joins Fesco in the morning, Fridays at 7.30, exclusively on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. 
All right, time to talk some Kansas State Wildcat football. Man, is Kansas State on a roll. Who better to talk to than John Kurtz from K-Man in Manhattan, also host of Faithful to Our Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network for all things Kansas State. John, good evening. What's up, Bank? How are you, man? Well, I tell you what, another dominating win for Kansas State, and they do it against an in-state rival, 55-14. to over Kansas, and once again, we see the tremendous, uh, just the solid play of Will Howard in the game. Deuce Vaughn did his normal stuff, four catches, 81 yards, and he leads the team in rushing as well, 11 carries, 71 yards. He really is the offense and, and uh, weapon for Kansas State, but really the story was Phillip Brooks, the Big 12, S, or the Big 12 uh, Special Teams Player of the Week. Two punt returns for touchdowns, sets a school record, four punt returns for 189 yards. Yeah, to me, the storyline of the game really was it said more about Kansas than it did K-State. Um, K-State really wasn't very sharp in the first half, particularly on offense, but the defense was good enough and the special teams were excellent to buy them some time for Kansas to self-destruct. And then in the second half, the offense took over and was really good in the third quarter. But, man, I, I just yeah, – K-State, again, probably played like a B-minus, maybe C-plus kind of a game there and put the most points that they put on Kansas since 2012 when they won the Big 12 championship. I just uh, – Les Miles punting to Phillip Brooks as much as he did after Brooks had the game that he had already in particular with eight seconds left in the first half. This is indefensible as a coaching decision as I've ever seen. And then in the postgame press conference, he's putting it on the punter, so either you're throwing your player under the bus or you're lying. Um, very apropos for what Les Miles has been throughout his tenure uh, at Kansas. I mean, Phillip Brooks, 189 yards in return yardage, and punt return yardage, what he had in that game, that is more than any team has in the country still today, still after last week, in one game. I mean, it was unbelievable um, how that happened. Uh, Kansas is a mess. And all K-State had to do really was show up and have the game handed to him on a silver platter. Yeah, that was truly unbelievable to keep punting to him. I mean, this guy, he was the hot hand. Why do you keep doing it? In the NFL, we see teams kick away from, like Byron Pringle, former K-State Wildcat, gets a touchdown. He won't get as easy of a looks as he will from other NFL teams because he's now on their radar. Yeah, well, and I hate to beat this point uh, over the head, but maybe I will for you Jayhawk fans out there, like, the, the storyline on Les Miles is supposedly he's rebuilding the roster, getting the scholarship numbers back up with high school players because Beatty and Weiss took shortcuts, and yada, yada, yada. I get it, and there is an element of truth to that, but like, is what you're seeing on Saturday in any way making you uh, feel like once better talent and more depth get on the field, they will be coached to the point where it's going to be very productive? Because we're talking about like some of the worst coaching I've seen in college football in years. Uh, with what Les Miles is actually putting out there on the field. So that's what I don't get about anybody that would have any level of optimism for Kansas football. And maybe I'm projecting too much there. Maybe there's not anybody left with any optimism there. But uh, I sure hope Jeff Long has some left because he still owes Les Miles about $10 million. <laughs> so uh, have fun with that. Yeah, they just can't keep going through coaches at Kansas. I mean, last year, you know, was a lot of talk towards we got to beat Kansas State and all this. Of course, you write checks and didn't cash them. This year, a little more mild from Kansas it was a great uh, you put together a great uh, a great thing on a great video there on Twitter that was that was a lot of fun. But all week Kansas State players talked about being jilted, you know, growing up near Lawrence and not not getting a chance to play for the Jayhawks. I think a lot of those guys took that stuff to heart. Yeah, no doubt. And um, K State just has way more players from the state of Kansas on their roster too, which really helps. Like in that game. Um, 
it, it's not a rivalry like Ohio State Michigan that carries like a national cachet to it. I mean, you have to be from around here to know the value of that. And I, I think especially from the K State side of it, where you know if you're in a metro area in the state of Kansas, like if you're in Kansas City, if you're in Wichita, I mean, you know the pull that Kansas fans have there in particular during basketball season. And so, like, you get, you understand why this football game is so important uh, to K-State and K-State fans to maintain a level of dominance there. And I just think K-State's roster understands that a lot more, in addition to being a lot of guys that, yeah, K-State took chances on that Kansas would. Will Howard, 17-24, 243, two touchdowns, added 23 more yards on the ground. Um just kind of your opinion on Will Howard and his uh, gradual progression as the the starter there at Kansas State. Yeah, I, I think it was definitely a step, um, and it was all about three drives in the second half. Like I, the offense wasn't very sharp in the first half at all, but I don't put a ton of that on Will Howard because there were a lot of bad penalties. Uh, K State, a bunch of pre snap penalties. Uh, there was a, a really weird holding call that was mixed in there, like. Uh, K-State just did a lot of things to really shoot themselves in the foot. The offensive line was really bad. I thought that they had a bad first half, and Will Howard was really running for his life quite a bit. Then things settled down in the second half. Climbing said he really challenged them coming out of the locker room. In the first three drives, touchdown, 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 over 200 total yards, um, punched it in, got the ball spread around to everybody, not just Deuce Vaughn and Riley Moore, who have really been the only two consistent offensive weapons. They got Sebastian Taylor involved. They got D.J. Render involved, their receiver. Uh, that looked better than anything K-State's done offensively the entire season, uh, Skyler Thompson included, those three drives. So that's enough to give you hope. I, I would say the reason for pause is, one, it's Kansas, and two, you know, that is three drives out of an entire season's worth of offense that we've seen that just hasn't matched that level. So I would say that I am encouraged by what appears to be um, a higher ceiling than what we've seen for the offense, but still very skeptical about the consistency at which they can pull some of that off. Is Deuce Vaughn quietly becoming the most valuable weapon in the Big 12? 360 yards receiving, 309 yards rushing. He does it in the run game, in the pass game. We've talked a lot about the true freshman, Deuce Vaughn. But literally, when you look around the Big 12, it's hard to find someone more valuable to their team than a guy that always leads the team in rushing and receiving every week. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because... This is a take I've been talking about this week, and I think it's so valuable. One of my buddies in a group text said something to me earlier this week. Do you feel like we take Deuce Vaughn for granted already? I was like, yeah, it, it seems like we do because he has not really been a, a major storyline for a couple of weeks because a 150 total yard performance with a touchdown with a couple of dazzling highlight real plays has become the norm for him, and that's exactly what he did against Kansas, but we're not really talking about it. But this kid is a true freshman. He leads the Big 12 right now in plays of 20-plus yards, so there's really a firm argument he's the most explosive player in the Big 12 right now. And for a K-State team that's had virtually nothing from their receivers the entire year, he's carrying the receiving room as well as the running back yeah. room by being a guy who stepped in and took over at running back. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what he's doing as a freshman, and I would encourage anybody that likes watching Deuce Vaughn, you should go read Max Olson's article in The Athletic about him this week because it was an awesome deep dive into his backstory and why K-State fans are so excited about him, because it's as much off the field as it is on the field. With his dad's coaching background, now a scout for the Cowboys, coached at Texas and Ole Miss and a bunch of places in college, and just how cerebral he is about the game and how beloved he is by everybody that was around him back in high school. Uh, I believe it was Round Rock, Texas, uh, where he's from in the Austin area. 
So, I mean, there is every reason to be legitimately ecstatic about him, and it is crazy how he has been so good that a performance like what he had against Kansas has just kind of been normalized at this point. Well, there is the West Virginia game this weekend. Their quarterback, Jerick Dagey, this is a guy that once led the MAC in, uh, in, in passing yardage, and so he's definitely capable of doing it. They did lose to Texas Tech last weekend. I guess this is not a game for Kansas State to overlook. We know playing in Morgantown is always a tough deal. But that Oklahoma State game looming, which I think could be for the Big 12 championship in two weeks, but they got to get through Daggy in West Virginia first. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating, to be honest, because this game is a, a swing game for the season. Uh, you win it, all of a sudden you're 5-0 and in the Big 12, and it sets up back-to-back games against Oklahoma State and Iowa State where, yeah, the Big 12 title and a Big 12 title shot is potentially on the line there, and just think of the attention that you'll get next week and the run you'll get for that game against Oklahoma State, which would be a top-15 matchup. Probably not going to get college game day because Clemson and Notre Dame is going on next week, but you'd be second billing. Maybe without Trevor Lawrence. Well, you know what? That's that's an interesting uh, point that you bring up there. Ten-day isolation, that's nine days away. Yeah, hey, maybe that helps out the cause, you know, and the the game I I think is on NBC, right? So I don't know, maybe ESPN stays away from that. Outside chance then, I suppose, at, at college game day next week, like the buildup for that game would be huge, and you would get a lot of attention and pub for that. And if we talk about the logistics of getting to the Big 12 championship game, you'd be 5-0. and You still have Baylor on the schedule, and I think they're on the verge of really falling apart. And the last game of the year is Texas, and that's Texas coming to play in cold Manhattan in December when their season likely is already going to be, for all intents and purposes, over by the time they get to that game. You can see very easily how K-State could get to seven, maybe eight wins in the Big 12 if you tick this one off against West Virginia right here. But if you lose, now you're 4-2 and two and you have your two toughest games back-to-back with Oklahoma State and at Iowa State. You can see a three-game losing streak coming into the, into the picture pretty quickly. So uh, I think there's a lot riding on this game, and K-State has had a tough time with West Virginia. They've lost four straight to the Mountaineers, including last year, which was a pretty big upset and, and probably the worst game K-State played all season. You definitely can't take it for granted, especially with that game looming. But the bottom line is, Kansas State's the only team in the Big 12 with four wins. Obviously, there's been some postponements with COVID and everything else. But is the buzz in Manhattan starting to talk about, can Kansas State win the Big 12? Yeah, I would say it's uh, cautiously optimistic. Um, And I would say cautiously optimistic that K-State can get to the Big 12 championship game more so than the conversation evolving to win the Big 12. And I think a lot of that really is just, hey, Will Howard, true freshman quarterback, that's tempered some of this. I feel like if Skylar Thompson were still a quarterback and they had done the exact same thing that they had done to this point in the schedule, you would hear K-State fans being a bit more brash about their expectations on that front. But it's still kind of this cautious wait-and-see approach with Will Howard, the young kid at quarterback, if they win this game against West Virginia, that's when you're going to see that talk really start to heat up because it should at that point. It should. If you win the game and then you split the next two against Oklahoma State and Iowa State, you will be in great position to make it to Arlington in the Big 12 championship game. So that, again, comes back to everything that hinges on this game this weekend against the Mountaineers. Absolutely. So important, a pivotal game. You can't look past the Mountaineers. As you said, they've beaten Kansas State the last four years. That's John Kurtz, K-Man in Manhattan. Don't forget, you can listen to Kansas State right here on 610 Sports Radio, 11 a.m., the kickoff against the Mountaineers. Thanks a lot, John. Hey, anytime, Ben. Good to talk to you. Take care. There you go. Now, coming up next, we'll take a look at the University of Missouri with back-to-back SEC wins. They have Florida this weekend. We talk to Coach Kerry Pinkle next. 
You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Rush the Field. My pleasure to bring on the all-time wins leader at the University of Toledo and Missouri University and a nominee for the College Football Hall of Fame, Coach Gary Pinkle. Coach, good evening. Hi, Jay. How you doing? Hey, good. Uh, how's, the, how's the book going? Of course, uh, Coach, if you go to GaryPinkle.com, you can see the book. Because I imagine it probably picks up around the holidays a little bit, the 100-yard journey. Yeah, it does. People uh, go online and get it, and uh, uh, and it's pretty cool. So I, I'm, I'm, uh, it's really good flattering for me. We've got a couple printings on it. And uh, anyway, it's, um, it's it's been fun. How often have you found sports fans buy it as compared to businesses? By it because I see a lot of businesses looking at coaches and in the way things worked. I saw the on Twitter you had uh, had spoken to the Southeast Association of Fish and Wildlife, which is much different from football. But when it comes to leadership, it's the same thing. Yeah, leadership and teamwork. You know, it's it's funny when I was coaching, I did a lot of studying on CEOs and different people and, and different sports other than football, uh, head coaches and such. Um, just because you want to, you know, you want to learn and, and, and constantly find out what other people are doing. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly, uh, w- whether you're whether you run a football team, you run a corporation, uh, where you have four people working in your small business, leadership and teamwork is is still hugely important. And it's fun to talk about because it's it, you know you can make a difference in 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 all these and uh, working working in favor for you. Um, if you if you know what you're doing and and uh, you work together and and you can really create a great climate for success, Coach, I I like reading coaching books when it comes to the sport of football. Uh, one thing stood out to me it was a Bill Walsh book a long time ago, and mm-hmm. the the great Bill Walsh had said that uh, or he, if he was out to dinner he'd be at the dinner with his wife and sometimes he'd think of a play and sit there and draw that play. On the napkin. I don't know if anything stood out to you from a coach's book or anything, but I thought that was interesting. They'd be out to dinner, and someone would come to his head and say, I have Joe Montana run this play, and he would, he'd sit there and draw it out. When I was, I was at Washington uh, you know, a long time ago, I was there for 12 years, went to 11 bowls, 12 years, and, and um, he was a guy uh, that I really, really uh, admired um, when he was in the 49ers. And um, I actually spoke at the National Convention one of those years, and he happened to be at it because he was a speaker too. But he sat in front, he sat in front, and listened to he, intently of everything I said, even though I probably told nothing that he hadn't heard before. But uh, Bill Walsh, right in front, listened to my hour and fifteen minute uh, talk to the to the, at, at, at our national uh, uh, convention. So uh, it was it was just really just a great great admiration for him, and uh, he's one of the guys of many 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 guys and people that I've. Uh, that I've read, including Bear Bryant, I can go on and on and on. You know, yeah. Bear Bryant used to say, he used to wake up in the middle of the night and think of ways not to lose games. Hmm. And people go, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, if you think about it, you know, he said, well, if you turn the ball over more than anybody else, you're probably going to lose. You know, if you have more penalties than everybody else, you're going to increase your chance for losing. If you have more mental errors than everybody else. So he, he helped create this, you know, and, and I've always told our players, you know, there's, there's a few ways you win games. There's a bunch of ways you lose games. And, and I learned so much from that stuff. And uh, anyway, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and would read sometimes because I was just huh. excited about learning some things. Well, it's interesting, but I, I do enjoy co- coaches uh, when they come out with books. I find their careers interesting down that path. All right, coach, 
Let's talk about Missouri again. This is getting fun. We're talking about wins with the Tigers, back-to-back SEC wins. They beat Kentucky, and here's the thing. Kentucky had beaten Missouri the last five times. But Missouri yeah. beat a team in Kentucky that's playing good football. They'd only let nine point. They only let nine points scored by Mississippi State and Tennessee, and they really hammered Tennessee the week before. But this was a team that was playing extremely well defensively. In Missouri, Missouri was the defensive team in this game. Yeah, it was interesting how how coach kind of you know switched things around a little bit. Instead of throwing for five hundred yards, he was. You know, running the football, establishing it, doing those kind of things. They have, have a long, long uh, drives, and you know, our, obviously our defense played well. Their quarterback was confused because he didn't play near like I'd seen him play before. We, we must have done something real good with him. Yeah. So it was a it was a real good, sound win. You know, I think we're you know, we also it looked really well coached. You know, out there, you don't have a lot of penalties, don't have a lot of turnovers, all the things we just talked about a moment ago. Um, and yeah, I think they're getting. I think they're getting better. I think they're understanding uh, uh, Coach Drinkwitz's philosophies and how you prepare. And I've said this before. There's a every football player uh, at let's say University of Missouri. When you are, every Sunday, you have these football responsibilities. Obviously, you always had academic responsibilities, but you have football responsibilities also. And then you do certain things on Sunday. You do certain things Monday, Tuesday. And this just is in your in your course of preparing by the time Thursday and Friday get there to play the game on Saturday. You just don't watch a little film, you know, go watching TV and let's go play a football game. People have no idea the, the, the detail of preparing the right way. And I think right now they're starting to get all that because they haven't done it with him very much. You only had two practices in spring ball. So he gets a lot of stars from me on, on this stuff. You know, it's a, it's a you know, you know, few games don't, don't mean a – I don't mean uh, you're you're the national coach of the year, but I've been very very impressed with them. Reminds me of something uh, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy said last week. He goes, "You know, I don't care about stats. So the only alphabet you need to know is W's and L's. That's the only thing that matters." <laughs> so, sir, that you can go, like, people were questioning the Chiefs' offense last week, and they won forty three to sixteen, but they found a way to score on defense and special teams. Not every football game is alike, and that's for sure. But some of these numbers, coach, are amazing. Missouri twenty six first downs. Kentucky 8, Missouri 201 yards passing, Kentucky 50, Missouri 220 yards rushing. But the most impressive stat in all this to me, Coach, is Missouri 43-10 time of possession, Kentucky 16-50. When I look at time of possession disparities like that, that is just complete and total domination and control of a football game. And I know the score was only 10 points, but 43-10 to to 16-50 is a huge, huge difference in T.O.P. Yeah, and I I really like what he did. I mean, I you know we 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 are so multiple in, in this offense, and actually a lot of offenses are like that. So the Chiefs, they can you know go you know remember one game where they ran the ball almost every single down, uh, you know a couple of weeks ago, and it's the same the same thing here. We ran the ball so very much ball control. We didn't you know you you kind of you look at the defense, you get a game plan against if you're in the offense, you get a game plan against the defense, and you kind of find out how you, how you think you can win and be successful maintain the ball, do different things like that. But I just think it it, it reflects how multiple we are uh, on both sides of the ball, but certainly offensively we're very, very multiple. And we can go out and throw the ball 40 times a game. We can throw the ball 23 times a game. So, uh, you know, I just, it, it makes it much more difficult to prepare for a team that is good at both uh, than, than it is one that just dominates in one area. Coach, we've talked about kind of the challenges of what 2020 has presented. And I think this is a good game for Missouri playing Florida. They are the 10th ranked team in the country. 
But it's a team that hasn't played in two weeks. I mean, they haven't played since October 10th when they lost a really close one to Texas A&M. But they had two games postponed due to COVID. And I don't know as a head coach, if you, I mean, how to judge your team. Are you playing well or not when you take two weeks hiatus off? I mean, to me, that's got to be really bizarre for Dan Mullen and for Missouri, seeing that they were supposed to play this game earlier. I don't know what they were allowed to do. I've not studied or, or listened to any press conferences. I don't know if, what they were allowed to do. You know, maybe some guys were allowed to practice and some weren't. Uh, but certainly, and I've said this a few weeks ago, and Coach uh, Drinkwitz and I said this a month or two ago. You know, this is about this this whole this whole um, COVID nineteen thing is is, is a, about adjustments, patience, being able to focus when. You don't play for two weeks, but you got to play now. You get back up, get yourself ready to play your best football game. Can you maintain that strict focus you really need if you want to be a consistently good team? And, you know, so we're going to see how they are. I think we've done a pretty good job of it. We're going to find out about Florida right now. Is this, is this a hiccup for them that they're going to struggle to win this game or compete? Or is, are they going to come out flying? So uh, it's, it's a great observation. It's a great situation. You know, we, we – one 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 time I played, we played down there. Uh, so it's a great stadium, it's a great venue. Um, but uh, uh, we'll we'll assume Missouri will assume that we're going to get their best game, and then we focus on playing our best. And if we get something less, that's great. And if we don't, you know, we're going to compete to beat them anyway. Absolutely, and coach, the interesting thing you and I talked about this earlier this season. What's going to happen? with some of these games. This is another example of why the SEC did the right things when they put out the schedule because they put these bye weeks in. In the Big Ten, yes. you look at the Big Ten, it was great having them back. It was cool. All right, the Big Ten's back. All right, this is football. The problem is they had to postpone, the, not a postpone, but they had to cancel the game this week with Nebraska and Wisconsin because they don't have these bye weeks built in. If you can't play, and the Big Ten rule is you get COVID, you're out for 21 days, which that's just crushing to a team. That That's a long period of time. But – the fact is, they have to cancel games. It's not postponing them; it's actually canceling. And I knew this would be a problem with the Big Ten. There was no, there's no bye weeks or wiggle room. You got to play every single week up until December nineteenth. And it's amazing too. Saw a, a, a model in the SEC, so they started a month later, or what have you, two months later, whatever it is. And and they actually saw a model that they say, "Hey, listen, what did they probably learn when they did this? And what do you think we can do to make it better?" And they just did what they wanted to do anyway. That you know, it, it makes no sense. Absolutely no sense. Well, it, it, it's a real shame too because Wisconsin, you know, looked good last week. That the football team, the quarterbacks of the Kansas City area, looked good. But they had to cancel or postpone, not postpone. Excuse me, cancel this game with Nebraska. And now the game next week is in doubt because they have this twenty-one day rule uh, with COVID. So that's like two games out of your Big Ten schedule again. This thing is out of whack, Coach. It's going to be extremely difficult at the end of the year to find out who should be in the top four or not? I don't know on a national on a national stage. I don't know. I've not been in any discussion about what it gets like. I think we play up through the second week of December. Uh, then there's going to be a championship game. And then are there, are there going to be bowl games? You know, um, you know, so much of bowl games is bringing people into your city. Playing the Orange Bowl, people bringing into Miami. Where where you where you have you people come in and spend tons of money and enjoy themselves and have a great time. Well, what's going to happen with all that? I don't know. Maybe maybe people out there know they've heard different things, but uh, you know it's uh, it's it's COVID nineteen. You know it's 
a lot of changes out there. At the end of the day, hopefully they can get something together that um, at least the top teams got a chance to compete for the, the title. Coach, I know you're enjoying life and enjoying time with your family, but if the college football playoff committee called you in the next cycle and said, hey, Coach, would you want to be part of this committee, would you do it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's not, I, I, I don't know. It's probably not going to happen. Uh, I, I've been getting a lot of calls on my personal phone number, and I, people you know, call me and I have no idea, so I don't know why it's out there so much. No, but I, I'm happy where I'm at, and uh, if something like that would happen, I'd probably you know, uh, listen and see if it works. But for the most part, I'm working on my foundation, you know, GPA yep. foundation, helping kids, and, and that's been very rewarding for me. I'm not going to lie, Coach. As much as I like college football, I would never get the opportunity to do something like that. But that's probably would be my dream, <laughs> to be able to sit there and argue about the top four. I'm not kidding you. I would absolutely enjoy, like, every second of that. But, again, you, you've had all those years coaching football and everything. You've been around that, you know, I haven't had that opportunity. But, uh, regardless, I was just wondering what you would do if they called you. Um, certainly, being an all-time wins leader at two institutions, you would think you would be prime candidate for that committee. But the book is called 100-Yard Journey. It's available at GaryPinkle.com. Dave Matter wrote the forward. Nick Saban, um, or, excuse me, Nick Saban wrote the forward. Dave Matter wrote the book with Coach. Yeah. But other than that, it's yeah. great stuff and great insight, and especially when you have Nick Saban sit down and write a forward for your book. That's pretty impressive of Coach. They used to be teammates in college as well. Well, hey, thanks, Jay. I appreciate it, okay? And uh, go Chiefs and uh, go Mizzou. All right, Coach. Take care. Let's enjoy the game, and uh, let's talk about it next week. Okay, Thank, Thank you. you. There you go, Coach Gary Pinkle, the all-time wins leader at Toledo and the University of Missouri. Coming up next, we'll take a look at Kansas, the Jayhawks, with our very own Alex Gold. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Rush the Field, the all-college football show. By the way, Trevor Lawrence, because we were wondering, is he going to be able to play against Notre Dame the following weekend? They got BC this weekend. Will he be able to play against Notre Dame because the timeline didn't add up for 10 games. But evidently, this positive test was yesterday, which would put it at 10 days the following Saturday. So there is a chance now he's going to have to play that game with no practice, but we'll cross our fingers there. But joining us now, you can hear him every day, 10 to 2 on Cody and Gold. He is a jinx and will not admit it. And he has a great podcast called Waving the Wheat, all about the Kansas Jayhawks. Welcome, Alex. Good evening. Let's talk some hawk. Yeah, let's do it, man. Uh, let's see if we can talk some more positive things than, uh, than KU football's special teams from last week. You know what? It, it was an odd game, Alex. Um, this is a game, and I understand Kansas State was a better team, but you know, you, you do got to show something, but you, when you look at the numbers for that Kansas game, you think about a team that was right there at time of possession. It was nearly identical to Kansas State. They had 320 yards to 381 of Kansas State. Jalen Daniels had a higher QBR than Will Howard in that game. But the bottom line is, why was Les Miles continuing to punt the Phillip Brooks? Yeah, and I know, you know, they had their third-string punter out there because Kyle Thompson was hurt. We found that out right before the yeah. game started. So I understand there's some, some issues that come with that, but just an excusable. I know Les Miles, after the game, was asked, you know, why, mm -hmm. why, why are you punting to him still? And he claimed... You know, the punt return right before halftime that resulted in, in a touchdown with time expiring, he claimed he continued to tell, hey, kick it out of bounds, kick it out of bounds. They just didn't do it. It's just inexcusable. It, it absolutely can't happen to have special teams make those kind of mistakes. Because you're right, Bing, 
offensively, Jalen Daniels and the Jayhawk offense actually didn't perform much worse than K-State, especially in the first half. But, man, when you, you all of a sudden have a, a touchdown right before half and it busts the game wide open and they were never in that thing from that minute forward, uh, I still think Jalen Daniels is the guy that should be starting going forward because we, we, we looked at the athleticism and some of the things he's capable of more so than uh, a Thomas McVitie, let's say, or a Miles Kendrick. I still hope he's the guy that gets an opportunity going forward. And for Kansas, again, it was 30 minutes, 40 seconds, time of possession of 29-20 of Kansas State. Nearly identical, and Kansas State had all those penalties. Ten penalties, 81 yards. Kansas rarely penalized, only three for 29. But they did not take advantage of that, and we continue to see that with Kansas. We saw the early lead against Baylor evaporate. What are some of the things that you want to see going forward from Kansas just to show some progress, just to say this year wasn't a wash? Because I believe, you know, if you want to develop Jalen Daniels, that's fine. If that's what you say, got to develop a quarterback because I think that's instrumental for the Jayhawks. But anything else you're looking at to just kind of stamp 2020 and say, all right, we progressed in these different areas? Yeah, besides the quarterback, as you pointed out there, I think this defense has actually shown some signs of progress. I want to see it more. And I know you may say, what are you talking about? They gave up 55 points. But look, so far this season, opponents have, have scored like 28 touchdowns and nine field goals. Of those, four on punt and kick returns, one to pick six, and this KU defense has been put in bad positions throughout because of the mistakes of special teams and this offense. Nine drives of those 37 scores started in KU territory. So, the way I look at it is this defense continue to show progress. I think they're there, but you just as an offense, at the very least, have to put some drives together to, to give your defense a shot because they have had no chance, even if a, a quarter or two they're playing well, but they just wear out in the third or fourth quarter because they're putting some tough spots. Things. So it's that, and then also I want to see a little bit more of Elton Gardner, this running back. I know Les Miles after the game said they think there's all of a sudden a chance that Kuka Williams could still come back. I'm very skeptical yeah. about that. Uh, I'm not really buying it, Bink. I don't know if you are. No. More Felton Gardner to see Felton Gardner. Excuse me to see if he can develop. Yeah, that just wouldn't make much sense at all. To be quite honest with you, I, I'm shocked that he even began playing this year. To be quite honest with you, Alex. Yeah, you you and I were talking a little bit about that. I, you know, obviously considering uh, you know where, where this program has been at and all that. I, I don't think he plays college ball again. And I know right now Les is saying he's told Ben that oh he, he's planning on coming back he's dealing with his family issues with his mother's health and everything like that i mean i certainly would love to to see if he would do that but i think we've kind of seen this play out before with other programs uh, whether it's football or basketball where someone will leave and oh yeah i'm, I'm planning on coming back in january or i'm coming plan on coming back after a season yeah. and then all of a sudden it kind of gets quiet and then we'll have a press conference in in february and so yeah he's actually not returning it's an interesting thing, too, because he's not a first-rounder. He's not a second-rounder. As no, good as we think Pookie no. is, we're talking yeah. mid, mid to late rounds in the NFL draft. Right, yeah. I mean, well, I, best, I guess if he showed out of the combat, maybe he's all of a sudden a fourth-round pick. I think he's probably a fifth- or sixth-round yeah. pick. Uh, doesn't mean he can't have a good NFL career, but I, I'm with you, Big. He's, he's been the face of the KU program in terms of a player. He's the one guy that most players, play, uh, people can name. Right now, there's not many Jayhawks, I think, anybody – could name overall on the roster. I mean, that's that's where this program has been out for a while, but really you don't even have Puka now and a, and a star just to have someone from a, a fan and marketing perspective to give fans anything to, to relate to a little bit. There's not many guys whatsoever that stand out. Well, from a production standpoint, Belton Gardner was leading the team in rushing even when Puka was there. He has uh, just 12 more carries than Puka, but 100 more yards, and he's averaging 4.7 to the 3.8 of Puka. What well, Puka will go down with that kick return, 92 yards. Well, it screwed betting up in that game, but 
<laughs> you walk into the sunset after getting Big 12 uh, Special Teams Player of the Week. Yeah, that's going to be his final, you know, certainly this year, and I think in his career it'll be his final play, which actually will turn out to be a, a kickoff return for a touchdown against West Virginia. I guess he's got that that memory, if you will. The other interesting thing, Bank, along these same lines is, you know, the, the seniors this year, we know that it doesn't count as a year of eligibility. If you're a senior on Kansas, are, are, you, are you coming back? Are you, are you set on coming back just because you want, you want to come back to this program? Do you consider transferring? Do you feel good about the direction of the program with Les Miles? Uh, not to mention, you know, the recruiting and high school stuff that we always talk about, retaining those guys as you're having a rough year. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how many seniors, uh, do they take advantage of that year of eligibility? And if they don't, is it because of the program or is it because of, oh, they're just, you know, they, they feel like the time has uh, come for them to pursue the next level if there's any opportunity, which there's not many guys that I see uh, from that senior class having a chance to do so. No, I'm, I'm with you 100%, Alex. Well, Kansas uh, I always say they're good for that one win. You know, they're good for that surprise win. And I'm looking, I'm looking at their schedule. By the way, that Coastal Carolina win is or loss is not looking so bad. <laughs> Coastal Carolina is actually tearing things up. They're front page on uh, ESPN College Football. But Iowa State at Oklahoma, no one no Texas TCU and T- Texas Tech. Uh, maybe TCU at home. You surprised them. Yeah, I mean, I'm at the point now, Bancourt, you're right, they're hard to come by. You know there's going to be one game where you're right, whether they win or not, they're going to be competitive at the end and push somebody to the limit. TCU is probably one that comes to mind. I don't think it's this week against the top 25 Iowa State. Uh, Kansas is 29-point underdog uh, for this one. If this is a week where you think there's any chance to be competitive, I actually was talking to an Iowa State beat writer for my, my podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, and he said, hey, as bad as K-State, uh, KU special teams, I should say, were against K-State, Iowa State special teams might be the second worst in the country. So uh, if Kansas has any chance to be competitive against Iowa State this weekend, uh, then that, that would require uh, those KU special teams, which it seems yet to laugh when you talk about it, it would require them having plays themselves on the kickoff returns or something like that to have any chance. But uh, it's getting awfully tough to imagine a victory at all for KU this year. Yeah, I hope for Kansas fans that can get back to something to cheer for. Get back to some football. Wave that weed, Alex Gold. But you can hear Alex uh, daily, 10 to 2, on uh, 610 Sports Radio with Cody Tap, Cody and Gold. And, of course, his podcast he puts out about the Kansas Jayhawks. Football, basketball, you name it. Check that out on the 435 Podcast Network. Alex, always good talking to you, and I timed this thing right for halftime. I appreciate that. Uh, I'll see if you have some time uh, to make me some quesadillas in the future. <laughs> nice little dig there. All right, let's, let's have a cook-off, Alex, because I'm not going down we like this. do it. All right. I can't cook either, but I'm not that bad. Well, well yeah. you know what? I couldn't flip it. That was my problem. <laughs> right. Have a good night. Man. See you, Alex. Yeah, that quesadilla was a bad experiment. But anyway, thanks to Gary Pinkle. Thanks to John Kurtz. Thanks to Alex Gold. Thanks for producing Julio Sanchez. Good night. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio.